Welcome to No Wrong Answers Extra Credit. I'm Kyle Palmer. Hurricane Harvey hit southeast Texas on a Friday in late August. In Houston, that happened to be the Friday before the first scheduled day of classes for most students in the city. The hurricane obviously changed all that. Historic rains led to massive flooding. The streets literally turned to rivers. Thousands of homes were destroyed. You know the story. School, for many, became an afterthought as people dealt with more existential matters like surviving the storm, which lasted several days, and finding shelter after that. Sarah Straub says she came out relatively lucky during Harvey. The apartment she lives in with her boyfriend did not flood, and for the days in Harvey's immediate aftermath, Sarah was able to get around the areas nearby that apartment on her bike. Sarah is a 7th grade history teacher at a charter school in southwest Houston called Yes Prep Braze Oaks. It's part of a much larger charter school district in Houston. Her school had actually already been in session two weeks before Harvey hit, and they were out for more than a week after the storm. During that time, Sarah wasn't really off. She had what amounted to a full-time job volunteering at a shelter near her apartment with a group of teachers who ran what was essentially a school for the children stuck in that shelter. The idea had started with another teacher in Sarah's charter school network, yes, prep, a woman named Simone Kern, who was stranded in her apartment after Harvey, couldn't do anything but wanted to help. And so she created a private Facebook group that eventually became this group called Teachers Volunteering in Shelters. The basic idea was this. Life and education needed to go on as much as it could. A semblance of order needed to be maintained for these kids. So this Facebook group would organize educators, vet their credentials, and create class schedules at various shelters throughout the city. Ultimately, more than 1,000 teachers around Houston became involved. Here's Sarah's story. Well, Houston has been having a lot of flooding in recent years, and so when we heard that the storm was coming, we thought maybe it would flood that much. I remember Studemont being underwater, but nothing crazy. And uh, that first night we went to bed, didn't even think it was that big of a deal, just thought the storm would pass through. Um, and then the next morning when I woke up, I went to take my dog out for a walk, and the water had covered I-10, the highway, which is a stone throw from my apartment. Um, it was impassable. There was a tree floating down I-10. Um, there was a car floating down I-10, but I couldn't get out of the heights for a couple of days. Uh, you know, based on that, it was very clear you weren't going back to school, at least for a while. Um, so I wonder, um, were you looking for opportunities to help in shelters? Were you looking for things to do while you were out of school? To be completely honest, I really wanted to help, and my car's flooded twice in Houston already, so I was really worried about um, I was really worried about going to George R. Brown or going to NRG, which were the two shelters that were um, operating at that time. So I hopped on Facebook, and Simone Kern from Yes Prep, the school that I work, the district that I work for, had been organizing a really small group of teachers, and she was looking for someone to help um, check teacher certifications. And I was like, well, that's a way to help. Um, I can stay safe and I can do that. And about an hour later, um, something popped up on the Teachers Volunteering in, web, uh, in Shelters Facebook page. And it said, um, we need someone to help us out in the Heights. We have 30 children and we need someone to organize uh, and to, some sort of daycare for them. And to be clear, so this was a, this was a group of, of teachers who had kind of created a, a, a private a group on Facebook in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, and they were looking for teachers to teach in shelters. 
Right. And, and the whole premise of this um, Teachers Volunteering in Shelters website was uh, Facebook group was to have certified teachers so that um, that means that we all have background checks. That means that we all have experience with children. We have some sort of training with um, understanding trauma. And so it, it was an additional peace of mind that we could try and give families um, rather than like a run-of-the-mill volunteer service. Um, and so I was really fortunate with that there was something that I could ride my bike to in the Heights at Church of the Apostles. They had 30 kids for us to help out. And the Heights is a, is a neighborhood in Houston, really close to where you live. So um, you were volunteering at this shelter in, in this church, in this neighborhood, the Heights. And, and what was your experience like? What did you do? It was, it was really cool. It started off, um, I went to the church to see what kind of materials they had access to. Um, they have an, a normal church sanctuary, and then they have a separate room that they normally have for Sunday school. Uh, and there are about eight or nine rooms inside that Sunday school that each family was taking up. So there were about nine families that were there and 30 kids, believe it or not. Um, there was a full functioning kitchen. The church was running all of the um, the FEMA support and the food support and the clothing support. Um, but with all of those kids in such a tiny space, they wanted something a little bit more organized. So I used Google, created a spreadsheet, and posted on the Teachers Volunteering and Wet in Shelters Facebook page that I needed teachers located in the Heights that could come and bring their expertise. So we had teachers, we had a, a licensed art therapist come. We had uh, a psychologist come, which are two of our, like, you know, more certified people. Um, we had a bunch of elementary school teachers, some yoga instructors who are also teachers, and a, and our number one need was we needed bilingual teachers because a lot of the kids didn't speak English yet. So we did classes like yoga and arts and crafts. Um, we had one teacher who is a AP English teacher at Yes Prep. Amanda Wood, she came in and did like a, a journaling and poetry unit with the high school, the older kids that they loved. Um, and they had, they looked forward. It was like a real class for that one. Um, like show up, you had homework the night before, you reviewed that homework, you read a poem, you annotated and um, you discussed and then you had writing time again. Um, and that was probably one of the things that they most looked forward to, which was really helpful for me when I was going back to school at my campus, uh, our staff were worried that the kids wouldn't be in the right frame of mind to do to do work. And because of my experience at the shelter, I was able to say, like, no, the kids thrived for having an opportunity to use their brains and be academic in some sort of way. And so that was really helpful for my campus, too. So how... Uh, the way you describe this, the way you're talking, it almost made it, makes it sound like you were a principal of this of this shelter school for a week. <laughs> Did you feel like that? Well, it worked out that way. Um, I'm very good at organizing. And one of the big shocks is that those kids were a lot younger than we thought. And I'm a middle school teacher. I've taught at the high school level, but kids younger than my waist height are not kids that I'm really comfortable nor certified to um, to teach. So the fact that we had so many elementary school teachers on hand made it that I was able to use my skill as an organizer to make sure that we had the right support for the kids that we had, um, rather than providing a support that I wasn't necessarily 100% trained for. Uh, is there a, a particular, uh, 
a child or, or family or story you remember from that week working in the shelter that, that continues to stick with you? Yes. I'm not going to use their names because we were told we were not allowed to, but there was a family of eight kids, um, one adult. The mother wasn't really a part of the story, and the dad was dealing with everything on his own. And the eight kids, the oldest one was 15 years old. So all eight were a part of our program. Um, and the very first day, the two youngest um, didn't talk to us at all. Like They cried. They crouched in corners. Um, they were nonverbal, but in terms of de- developmental growth, they should have been talking. Um, I speak Spanish, so I was like, well, maybe they don't speak English. And I spoke in Spanish. Then we tried pictures um, and totally non-responsive. Um, we had an art therapist come in to, ha- to do some activities with the two younger kids. Um, and the response was that this is actually like very developmentally appropriate for a kid dealing with trauma that is that young to just shut down. And it's okay. It's not like a indication that something is totally wrong. They just need some time to develop normalcy. So with that information, I was just really adamant about following a schedule at our program, making sure, making sure that the kids knew exactly what they're doing and when. And um, by day three, they were talking. They weren't really saying much, and they don't speak English, so it was they're only speaking to the bilingual teachers. But they're able to like thank um, thank teachers for bringing them juices, um, just little things. And by the end of the week, they were smiling and laughing. And the older girls were four of them were old enough to take that high school poetry class with that teacher, Miss Wood, and um, they just. These were students that hadn't hadn't been in school for a year because the mother was out of the picture and they were helping to, helping raise their little kids at home. So this was their first opportunity with school in general in a year, not even because of Harvey. And they were just loving the opportunity to be smart and <laughs> to show what they knew. And when they finally were placed in a in a home through FEMA, they were like really really sad to go. It was it was sad, but we have their information and we've been keeping up. So after you do this, um, you work in this the shelter for a week or a little more, as you said. Then it your 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 real school, if I put it that way, um, the school you work at full time, um, opens back up, like a lot of schools in Houston. Um, what mm-hmm. happened then? What, what what was that experience like going back to um, the campus you work at full time? So a lot of teachers were worried about. Um, what students were, what what the mindset of the kids were when they came back. If we were going to have to start all the way over, if kids were going to remember anything that we had taught in the first two weeks. And our job when we went back was just to get the kids back into instruction. We were told not to really talk about the hurricane um, because a kid dealing with trauma class period after class period after class period and reliving that traumatic experience um, would only serve to hurt that child more than help. So uh, most of us got straight back into instruction. Did you find that a lot uh, of, um, um, did you lose a lot of kids with it, that they weren't able to make it back or they had to move or had to, were displaced somewhere? No, the surprising thing was uh, our goal attendance rate for a day is 97%. And on that first day back, we had 94% of our students show up to school. Um, one of the stories are, um, was one of our students, her house was flooding and she She's a sixth grader, so she's new to our school this year, and she was um, yelling at her parents to like put her uniform on the top shelf so that she could have it when school started back again. 
Um, so, like, they came back in uniform for the most part. There's a couple of families that were majorly affected, and so they came back without their uniform. But we relaxed the rules for school uniforms and for supplies, um, and we have uh, a fundraiser through Yes Prep where we're just um, we're basically just buying school supplies for everybody who needs it and supplying food for the month of September to every student regardless of need. Uh, was the building itself damaged um, in, in any way? <laughs> yes, uh, it was damaged. And um, when we first came back, it was little things like um, ceiling tiles and floor tiles that were messed up that we noticed. Our girls' bathroom, uh, we have a, we're a five-story building, and where the roof had leaked was straight down that entire section of the school. And... Um, ended up having us close all five floors of girls' restrooms in our school. So we had to do some some interesting things. And with middle school kids, they definitely laughed um, because the girls had to use the boys' bathrooms and the girls had to learn what a urinal was. <laughs> and um, But they were rolling with it, and it was really good. And then this past Sunday today, we got an email indi- indicating that there was more damage than we thought. So um, more water damage um to the extent that we needed to close school for Monday. We've been working around the construction workers all week, but apparently the damage that was found is something that we can't work around the construction workers, and they the they need the entire school building. And this is, um, this is mold, so, it sounds like. Is it mold? Possibly. That's yeah, fine. it was not indicated in our email, so I can't make any, right. any guesses, but possibly. So how are you doing? I mean, it's, I mean, you survived a hurricane, you sounded like you were working pretty hard <laughs> when everyone was out of school, uh, and now y- you were back at school for a week and, and trying to get on with business. I mean, how are you doing? Well, for me, it's just um, it's just frustrating because this particular group of students, um, this is my ninth year at my school, but it's it's my second year with this content, and this is a group of students that. I really like, and I like all my kids, but like, this is a great group of kids and to miss out on, like, miss out on the chance to teach them and to have to rush through my curriculum so that we can get to everything is, um, it's, I think not fair to them. So instead of being able to take my time and like teach them at their level, I almost have to rush through the curriculum to get to what I need to teach, that they've gotten all the standards by the time the tests come around. And so that part's frustrating, but I'm totally fine. Um, I think I'm lucky to live in the Heights. I think it was, um, don't intentionally quote me on this, but I think it was the only neighborhood in Houston that was not majorly affected by the flooding. And so I'm just fortunate to have the experience that I had. Um, now with that program, that, that Facebook group that was started, Teachers Volunteering in Shelters, our next steps are to see how we can Um, how we can help with organization for support after Irma in Florida. And um, our meeting for that is this upcoming week. So I don't have any new information on that, but that's what we're trying to help out with now. Well, Sarah Straub, thank you so much for for talking with me. This has been um, really fun, and um, I've just been really really enjoyed hearing about your experiences. I hope you don't take that the wrong way. I mean, it, oh, it no. sounds it sounds sad, but um, and 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 um, a lot of hard work. But it's been enjoyable to hear um, how you kind of took this this experience and and do, did all that stuff with it. Well, thank you so much, and I hope that you're doing well too. 
There is an update from Sarah. She said the problems her school administrators found, the damage from the water did turn out to be pretty significant. They were actually out for another week of school after I talked with her. Well, that's it for this extra credit edition of No Wrong Answers. To download this and past episodes of No Wrong Answers, go to Apple Podcasts and search for No Wrong Answers by Fountain City Frequency. We have full episodes drop every Tuesday and extra credit episodes every once in a while. Also, you can join the conversation at our Facebook page or find us on Twitter. Just look for the No Wrong Answers podcast. Thanks, as always, to Matt Hodap, who produces the podcast. Thanks to KCUR 89.3 Kansas City Public Radio, where we tape our episodes. I'm Kyle Palmer. Thanks for listening. See you next time.